Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. Today's Stadium Scene Podcast is brought to you by. Hey, Kate, what's the hardest part about going to the game? Finding the closest beer vendor? Hmm, close, but not quite. Parking? Parking! When I need to find parking before the game, I use ParkWiz. It's easy to use, and I always find the best rates near the venue I am heading to. How does that work? You purchase your parking pass on ParkWiz.com, and you receive a barcode. Either scan your barcode at the garage entrance, or show your pass to the attendant. Your license plate acts as your permit. So, no shady dude with a sign leading your car down a random alley anymore? Nope. ParkWiz has a parking guarantee that if your spot is not available, you get your money back. That sounds great. What do we need to do? Visit stadiumscene.com forward slash parkwiz and buy your parking pass today. Today's Stadium Scene podcast is brought to you by... Live from a makeshift recording studio somewhere in the middle of the desert, this is the Stadium Scene podcast with your hosts... DJ Flug. I suck at trivia and I suck at telling jokes. Kate Thompson. The Jackman, which is just the most awesome name. And Jillian Fisher. No, that was just because I'm crazy as hell. <laughs> You're listening to the Stadium Scene Podcast. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Stadium Scene Podcast, and I noticed I started off very loud, so I apologize for that. Kate is, um, we'll say on assignment, Miami, uh, not Don Johnson, like Miami Vice or anything like that, nothing exciting, but she'll be back next time. But we do have Jillian with us. Hello. So Jillian, I understand you had an interesting Halloween. I, d- I did. Um, I mean... I guess I just don't understand how everybody doesn't spend their Halloween getting drunk and dressing up like Bob Ross and mimicking Nazim Kadri's Halloween costume. Like, I don't, that's not what everybody did, though. <laughs> no. And the thing is, like, your, your Bob Ross costume, I don't think Bob yeah. Ross ever had not gray hair. He, well, okay, listen, when you're trying to get a costume the day before Halloween, you take what you can get. And they didn't have any. Sp- I tried to get a white wig, like the same white getup, and spray paint it because his hair was actually mostly brown, uh, like brown with gray. But I'll, all I could find was that. So you know, you just gotta make with what you can get. Yeah. Improvise. That's what we do. But you know what? Everybody knew who it was, so the canvas I think helped it. Yeah, yeah. The you know the <laughs> canvas behind you with your artwork because everything is art. But that guy was amazing. I don't know how he did half the things he did, but it was incredible. 
And he was just so chill, just so, so chill. I, I was watching some of his videos, and I was just like, man, the world needs more Bob Rosses. We could all strive to be like Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually have a guest today. Um, our guest comes all the way from Columbus, Ohio, out to our, our makeshift recording shoot studio in the middle of the desert. He's actually a journalist. We actually have a, a professional, real journalist with us. Um, what? Yeah, I know. What? So I'm going to go We're through his fancy. credentials after the whole Harvard and the blah, blah, blah. So he works for the Massive Report, which is the SB Nation blog for the Columbus crew of Major League Soccer. He is the beat writer for Ohio State University football. And you got to make sure, or I didn't even say, the Ohio State University football. And get it right. Yeah, because it's opposed to the other Ohio State University. Um, <laughs> so for uh, Columbus Wired, and he's also a contributor to the Chicago Red Stars women's professional soccer team portion of the blog at Hot Time in Old uh, Town, which is another SB Nation blog. On top of that, he runs his own blog and podcast at ralphshudel.com. And finally, he manages to sneak maybe an hour or two of sleep in a night. But this time, he's actually giving it up to talk to us. So please welcome I was just going to say, yes. he sleeps as much as you do, DJ. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's the only way to get things done. So please welcome to the show, Ralph Shudel. Can I, can I tell you guys right now, and I this is one thing I didn't tell, tell you guys before the show started, I actually slept underneath my desk at work today just so I was fresh for this show. You, I'm not oh. even kidding. You, you George Costanza did it? Oh, straight, yeah. straight up. I got a uh, bag of rags, and I just made like a nice little pillow, and I went to sleep for like a hot 45 minutes or so. It's just so I was coherent and not saying anything nonsensical. So thank you for having me on the show, guys, and... Uh, uh, big props to Phil Kessel. I wish the world was more like Phil Kessel instead of Bob Ross, but Phil Kessel's a good dude. Well, I, he also makes an appearance in my drunk hockey. You guys know I have a cardboard <laughs> cutout of Phil Kessel. Like, this this drunk hockey got pretty wild, guys. Like, why, why Bob Ross makes a, an appearance. Why would you own a cardboard cutout? Why wouldn't you? So, thank you. Ralph gets it, but I have a specific reason. So, do you remember how Steve Simmons, one of the beat reporters in Toronto, like making up a rumor about how he just ate a bunch of hot dogs? I don't know if you guys remember that. What an American um, hero! I was about to say, that's, I know, not, that's really. not a rumor. Um, so he then didn't make Team USA for the World Cup of Hockey. So, given that the World Cup of Hockey took place in Toronto. I strolled up to the Air Canada Center with a cardboard cutout of Phil Kessel in a Stanley Cup, hoisting the Stanley Cup uh, over his head. Uh, I took it in the Air Canada Center, and some Canadians did not like it, but many thought it was hilarious because m most Toronto fans actually really, really loved Phil Kessel. It was a lot of the media that beat him up a lot. Uh, so, And then he got beat up with Team USA in not making that team, and all I'm saying is he should have been there, so I made sure Phil Kessel made it to the Air Canada Center. I have a strange life, guys. That's the moral of this story. My my, bro my brother actually had a cardboard cutout of Ken Griffey Jr. when he was younger, and uh, I mean, and it, well, the best part about this, the only good part about this story is, you know, he had it up in his bedroom, and you know, it's Ken Griffey Jr. He's at bat, he's in the stands, he's you know, knees bent, and you know, he's holding the bat up like he does with the 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 tail wag mm -hmm. and the one day like three four days after he gets this for like a birthday present my mom is walking down the hall 
glances out of the corner of her eyes and sees a giant man standing in my brother's bedroom holding up a bat. Screams bloody murder. (laughs) (laughs) And realizes that, oh, it's just a cardboard cutout of Ken Griffey Jr. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) I highly doubt she'll ever hear this recording, but my dad may hear it and he will tell her. So I apologize for telling that story and making the world aware of it. Can I, can Don't I apologize. Guys, no apologies. Let, let me get us off track here for a second. Um, my father had a job where he traveled a lot over uh, the country. He was a, a claim rep for a company and he did um, catastrophe work. So he, he would miss a lot of family events. So my sister worked in an advertising firm that could print off 3D models of things. So she ended up getting a 3D model of my dad printed off, and we inserted him into <laughs> photos <laughs> at various family events that he would miss so he could feel like he was there. And we actually still so to this sweet. day, we have it still hiding in the basement, and it's in the utility closet. So if you go in there and you forget it's in there, uh, I've frequently uh, squealed like a uh, schoolgirl <laughs> when I forget that's in there. So. <laughs> So I forgot now why that we I've had lost you. all credibility, yeah, let's, I, let's I, move on. I forgot why we had you on. Oh, I'm just kidding. So today we brought you on. The whole preface of you being from Columbus and writing about the Columbus crew, we thought we'd bring you on to talk about the hashtag Save the Crew. Uh, for those who aren't aware, there have been some, we'll say, shady dealings uh, to sneak one of the original MLS franchises out of the city of Columbus and move them to Austin, Uh Texas. So Ralph, what led to the Save the Crew movement? So uh, basically, Anthony Precourt, the investor operator of Columbus Crew SC, bought the team July 30th of 2013. Uh, He agreed in the original agreement with Clark uh, Hunt, the son of Lamar Hunt, who is the famous founder of Major League Soccer and the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, to keep the Columbus Crew inside of the city of Columbus for 10 years. Uh, or he had an escape clause to Austin, Texas. So what led to this whole Save the Crew movement and what has seen to be like a hurricane of information and knowledge that has come out recently is that um, he announced that he was in, interested in getting a downtown stadium. If not, uh, if that was failed to happen in the city of Columbus, he would be moving the team to Austin, Texas for the 2019 MLS season. So, why Austin, Texas? You know, when I think of markets without MLS teams, Austin doesn't strike me as the first potential place you could go. Does he have some kind of ties to the city, or what, do you know why he would pick Austin? Well, it's funny you mention that, DJ, because the thing with Austin, Texas is, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with soccer history, uh, they've had two USL affiliates, one move and become a major league soccer franchise, and one just completely fold. They were both the Austin Aztecs at that time, uh, and they moved to Orlando City and became Orlando City Soccer Club, which, as Jillian knows, and having been down to Orlando City, they are thriving yeah. in a big way down yeah, that, there. That right worked now. out okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it worked out fine. And then the Aztecs came in again, and the crew actually played the Aztecs several seasons ago in the Desert Diamond Cup. And I believe that was their last year of existence down in Austin, Texas, and they have folded. Here's where the wrinkle is with Austin, is that they have a USL team that is ready to come in in 2019, which is a little strange to me. But 
they're trying to fire up a USL franchise in 2019. Anthony Precourt's main talking point that he's had throughout this whole process is that he believes it is one of the largest untapped markets in the United States that does not have a professional sports team. Doesn't it feel a little bit too like for uh, Anthony Precourt? It's almost like he doesn't actually care about the sports. He just cares about the land and getting getting some type of property in Austin versus in Columbus. The big thing with the fans is that they feel very neglected by mm-hmm. Anthony Precourt because. You know, as you guys know, if you look into the rich history over in Europe, you look into um, even a, in, even around America, too, with the original teams, your D.C. Uniteds, um, you know, Kansas City Wizards now sporting Kansas City, if you want to call them that. Oh, no, no, no. These, you, got, you got to call them by their proper name. They were the Kansas City Wiz. The Wiz. <laughs> the <laughs> Wiz. I'm oh, sorry. Boy. that That's the journalism part of me there. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, you look at these clubs, and they're so rooted within their communities that there is kind of almost a question of, well, who cares if it doesn't make any money? There, Several of these clubs, there was a Forbes article that was released several months ago that I think there were only about five to seven clubs in Major League Soccer that are actually turning a profit. And they're all technically what we consider MLS 2.0 or MLS 3.0 teams. Uh, but the other ones at the bottom weren't making any money. But as we all know, guys, that Major League Soccer is a single entity system. So it functions much like a department store and, you know, made MLS corporate oversees all of these teams. So if one team's struggling, the other one will bring, you know, MLS will bring the teams up. So the big thing is Precourt very much with his venture capitalism background is looking to make a buck. And a lot of people are starting to see or at least interpret that uh, as opposed to showing his loyalty towards the city. Uh, a famous quote that Mr. Precourt said when he bought the team was that he would look to buy a second home here in Columbus as originally uh, away from his home in San Francisco. Uh, He said that he could see settling his life here and that he would not be an absentee owner. He has not bought a second home. He has been here very rarely during the season. And uh, nobody's really seen him outside of major club announcements. So I think that's like part of the frustrating part is just, again, like you were saying, that he's been bold-faced lying straight to the fans. Like, and it's not, it's not even something, especially now with the more and more information that's coming out. His intentions are were never really to try and do everything he could to keep the team in Columbus, and I think that's what to me is the most insulting thing. It's like, don't then don't be a snake, don't be a snake about it. Come out and say I don't want a team here, because then at least the fans know what they're up against. But to kind of have been saying this all along, and then to all of a sudden be turning the page on that is is very very frustrating, and I think that's part of the reason why you see such a large movement across MLS for this. I would agree with that. And the big thing, you know, I've had colleagues uh, at the Columbus Dispatch and with me at Massive Report that they've looked pre-court square in the eye and they said to him, do you plan on moving this team? And the major talking point that Mr. Precourt stuck to was that he said that he was very committed to Columbus in keeping the crew in central Ohio. He even had beers with us back in, uh, I believe, 2013 uh, at a supporters bar named Hendocks here in Columbus and said that he told one of my colleagues on the record that he planned to keep the crew within the city of Columbus for 30 years at least and then turn it around and sell it for a profit. He said he had no plans of moving the team and that he really wanted the crew to become the Green Bay Packers of Major League Soccer. 
Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned that with the, the all the promises of maintaining your team. I just did a little mini documentary on StadiumScene.tv examining the another infamous uh, move involving the Baltimore Colts in the 1980s and their owner Robert Ursay. You know, he would tell the press, "I'm not moving the team. They're not going anywhere. I'm committed to Baltimore. We're going to get the new stadium. We're going to do it right." And three months later, they're sneaking in moving trucks at midnight and driving 15 Mayflower moving bands to the city of Indianapolis. And it Mm kind of has the same feel to it. I mean, is there anything on like the political level from either even the city of Columbus or the state of Ohio to try to block him using that similar kind of strategy? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. And there's two parts. It's kind of a two part answer that I want to answer for you, DJ, is that. Number one, yes, there is a government movement. There is a um, kind of a plan in place. The Save the Crew movement, led by uh, Morgan Hughes, who's one of the more vocal supporters of it, kind of the organizer of the uh, movement, although uh, there are several moving parts to this, uh, gave some wonderful testimony at Columbus City Hall several weeks ago to um, city council and actually was granted a resolution this past Monday from city council. Now, what that means is city council said that they are going to do everything within their power legally, of course, to try to keep the team in the city of Columbus. Andrew Ginther, the mayor of Columbus, uh, has also vowed his support and coincidentally was at Moffray stadium last night, uh, sitting on the sideline. I actually had a chance to speak with him kind of quickly, uh, albeit he was a very popular man last night, as you can imagine, given the circumstances. (laughs) Um, And uh, Alex Fisher, who is a member of the Columbus Partnership, he's actually the CEO of the Columbus Partnership, which is a group that actually offered Anthony Precourt $75 million for a 50% stake in the Columbus Crew franchise, which is $7 million more over what Mr. Precourt paid uh, back in 2013 for the entire franchise. And uh, that was after Precourt said no serious offers were made. Wink, wink. Yeah, right. So uh, Mr. Fisher mm-hmm. and Mayor Ginther were sitting on the sideline. Uh, and for those that may have watched the broadcast um, on Tuesday night, Mr. Precourt was actually in the building at Moffray Stadium uh, diagonally fr- on the opposite side of the field uh, to Mr. Fisher and Mayor Ginther. Uh, and I believe to my accounts, that was the first time the two sides had been in the same building since the announcement was made on October 16th. And he was actually hanging out in the uh, loge area and by the front offices where he could walk out of the front office. Uh, so it was relatively contained, good security. He was standing next to uh, President of Business Operations Andy Lochnane uh, and his kids there. And uh, there, was a, there was some expletive, uh, colorful language going towards Mr. Precourt last night. <laughs> from the uh, they, yeah. Lord have mercy. Um, I, I feel bad for the kids, but uh, I, I understand the frustration of the fans for sure as well. So do you think there are any circumstances where the crew stay in Columbus long term? I, I think if you'd have asked me that question on October 16th, I would have told you maybe there was a 2% chance, maybe maybe a 1% chance. So the odds seemed very stacked against us. Now with the movement that the Save the Crew guys, guys and girls have kind of set in motion, you know – I tweeted about this the other day. The Save the Crew movement seems to be more organized and more well-prepared to get a steady campaign going than the paid professionals of pre-court sports ventures uh, or MLS to ATX, which is the group down in Austin trying to generate, quote-unquote, grassroots interest in an MLS franchise. 
you know, the Save the Crew movement is incredible. They had uh, people that they rented a plane out to. They had a banner trailing behind a plane around the stadium yesterday. I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of stickers I saw getting handed out to people. The signs have been wonderful. Businesses have embraced the Save the Crew movement. Uh, there's a local brewery. I kind of want to give them a shout out. Land Grant Brewery here in Columbus uh, actually opened their back room after hours to the Save the Crew movement to paint TIFOs for the rally that they held at City Hall that following Sunday uh, and for the TIFOs that they were able to use last night during the matchup. How has the reaction been from uh, other teams' fan bases? The show of solidarity, I, I think, in Major League Soccer, from my perspective, I'm incredibly humbled by it. I think to see everybody stand in line with fans that they have no vested interest in, with a team that they have no interest in, and a lot of people frequently overlook, uh, it is quite remarkable because I think if people see this happening to an MLS original like Columbus Crew SC, they say, what's stopping my team from getting moved? You know, if Columbus Crew move, who's next? Is it going to be Chicago Fire? Is it going to be D.C. United? Which of these original teams are, and I know, you know, Chicago is an expansion team, but, you know, is there another MLS team that's on the chopping block that, you know, can be expendable? So it's really neat to see, Supporters groups, it doesn't matter if these teams are 22, 23 years old, or if it's a one-year-old team like Minnesota United or Atlanta United. These fan bases are standing side-by-side with fans of Columbus Crew SC, and it's crazy. I want to give a shout-out to Timbers Army because, I mean, they've been probably one of our biggest supporters with this whole thing. And, you know, the infamous beer gate of 2015 – where they, uh, the Nordak, Dallas, <laughs> Wallace, and Nat Borchers with beer, and the fans still are like, yeah, we're going to help you save your team, even though you doused our guys with beer. <laughs> I think that's because uh, they're, you know, they're just really great soccer fans. They have a really great culture out there. Um, I also feel like they, in Portland, the culture there is kind of like almost anti everything that pre-court stands for. I think you hit it on the head, Jillian. They're they're a wonderful soccer town and they respect the beautiful game. It's, you know, the other thing too is, you know, Major League Soccer is expansion coming up again. Uh, you know, it looks like Miami's finally getting their act together and getting their club. Um, and that's, you know, whether they deserve it or not is a different story, but that's for another show. Uh, you know, you've got four potential cities out of 12 competing with one of them being San Antonio. Um, and we've, you know, recently learned the city of San Antonio is not exactly thrilled about this potential Austin move either. I mean, what what has come up in the last 48 hours that you've seen on, on that front? I mean, it's uh, this this saga gets really interesting every day. I think this is quite frankly the first day I can think of where something crazy hasn't happened. But uh, the group uh, that owns the San Antonio Spurs uh, Sports uh, or uh, Spurs Sports and Entertainment SSNE uh, had an active interest in purchasing an MLS franchise uh, and were courting Major League Soccer. And Major League Soccer said, "Yeah, if you get this stadium, you fix this stadium up, we'll start seriously contemplating." Your bid, and um, they have a guy by the name of Nelson Wolf, who's actually one of the big investors of the team. But what they don't know is that he's a county judge down in San Antonio, 
And uh, Mr. Wolf is looking to bring in the district attorney of uh, what's the county name now? I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, Researcher. Ba- <laughs> Researcher. Bexar quickly, County. Quickly. Bexar County. Yes, he's looking to bring in the district attorney of Bexar County to get it involved in a potential lawsuit against Don Garber and Major League Soccer for being misled um, into a transaction that involved them buying Toyota Field uh, in hopes for a clear path towards a Major League Soccer expansion franchise. So uh, these guys down here at SSE in San Antonio are very agitated towards the proceedings. And if you guys look on a map, San Antonio and Austin are not far apart. I believe they're separated by just 80 miles. Yeah, and basically saying if, if the crew end up in Austin, which we hope not, uh, it, it basically is going to kill any chance of San Antonio getting a uh, expansion franchise. I would. Think. And I, th- I feel like San Antonio, they have an actual case, if anything, is to come through with that. I mean, uh, it's... Mostly because I want them to be able to have a case because I'm really disgusted with pre-court's behavior. But it just seems to make logical sense in the fact that San Antonio was pursuing the MLS, you know? Exactly. And I mean, the thing is, and I think what kind of burns the toast of many crew fans the wrong way is that chance they had two franchises with Orlando City moving to moving from Austin to Orlando. And then with the Aztecs kind of flopping you know, so it's a lot of people aren't necessarily thrilled with the move to Austin, and Major League Soccer isn't keen on the rumored move for Columbus Crew SC or Austin Athletic or Austin FC is the two trademark names that Major League Soccer looked at uh, registering. How original. Uh, playing it, <laughs> at, yeah, exactly. Playing at UT Austin, and uh, we've actually tried to correspond uh, numerous times with the UT Austin grounds crew or trying to correspond with folks at UT. And uh, they say that there are no plans to establish a soccer team at this time for 2019. Yeah, uh huh. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah. They we, they probably will, look at the. We won't tell you about it. It's probably you know more likely. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's just what what can you do? I mean, obviously, you've already had a lot of support both in Columbus and all around Major League Soccer. So for the people who haven't been able to get involved yet, what what can you do to help the cause? If you guys want to get involved, I would invite you guys to join SaveTheCrew.com and email your local ticket rep, uh, whatever club you may support. If you're close to a club, if you're just kind of in a weird kind of ambiguous land of, well, I might be between Chicago, I might be between Columbus, you know, email both, you know, and let them know that if the crew fold, this could, what's stopping them from happening? What's stopping this from happening to our club? And email the club sponsors and tell them, you know, hey, Columbus Crew means a lot to Major League Soccer. This is one of the original teams built on Lamar Hunt's vision. And then email Erica Allen. She's the executive assistant to Don Garber. She makes sure that Don Garber can see and maybe not see your email. But go ahead and just shoot her one anyway. Uh, And she can definitely let the uh, commissioner know your frustrations. But, you know, and if your team's still in the playoffs, wear yellow. You know, take a crew scarf there, demonstrate, you know, your solidarity with your crew brothers and sisters. And uh, we're also doing a wonderful thing where we're actually getting Save the Crew banners out to people. So if you request a banner, it'll get out to you. I know the fine folks at uh, Huddlesfield Town in the English Premier League have said that they're going to help us out there. Uh, as well as Stoke City. They've requested a banner as well. Fantastic. That's awesome. So you got some global presence And I also think... One thing that we haven't touched on here is that it's not just MLS. It's just um, 
you know, the legend of Dosa Zero was there. It's almost like a, a, a home away from home, if not a home for U.S. soccer, really. So you're not just looking at Major League Soccer. You're looking at uh, country and club when, when you talk about Columbus Crew. Yeah, it's been the symbolic home to the men's national team, the women's national team. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could say, Jillian, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't from off race. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part about this. We may not be having this show if it wasn't about Mafre Stadium, yeah. and that you know, it's it means so much to so many people. And I don't think it's just a city of Columbus thing. It's definitely going to be felt on a uh, national level if the team folds or moves, rather. Which I don't. Cons- you're a journalist, but I don't consider myself a journalist. I do sometimes some journalism like work, but I, mm-hmm. I just. Just to me, this whole move to Austin thing just seems absolutely ridiculous. And I'm just going to go on record. And that's my quote-unquote hot take for the day. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, my my outlet's been a little bit, uh, you know, critical of the whole situation too. And we're trying to give a voice for the fans and try to tell the fans a factual uh, presentation of what's going on. So it's it's tough to swallow. Uh, honestly, I didn't know if I was going to be let into the building last night for the playoff game. So I'm, I'm glad I got to cover it. But uh, yeah, it was tense moments there for a second. So we're, we're getting ready to wrap up the show here today. Ralph, thanks for being on the show. Do you have any uh, anything you'd like to plug? Not necessarily right now. I just, uh, you know, it, it's been such a whirlwind with uh, Columbus Crew SC. I would definitely say, you know, if your team's out of the playoffs right now in Major League Soccer, root for the guys in black and gold. They need your support. So, Ralph, is there anywhere people can go to visit and, or see your work? Uh, if you feel compelled to do so, I invite you guys to visit MassiveReport.com or uh, as you guys can find me in the Chicagoland area at a hot time in Old Town. Uh, and if you want just general nonsensical rambling, you can come to my website, ralphshadell.com. And uh, we just launched a podcast, which episode one's up now. I think episode two should be out uh, here in the next week or so, where I tell stories about uh, my journeys in sports. Uh, I talk about, you know, various events that are happening. Uh, and this subject has dominated <laughs> much of those. But uh, yeah, it, it's just a fun podcast. I look to enlighten, give you a little bit of a laugh and enjoy yourself. I listened to the episode one today uh, while I was at work, so I I enjoyed it very much. Keep it up. Oh, well, thank you. I yes, appreciate please, it. Please don't let it be your last episode, even though you, that's what? how you started the show. <laughs> why did you ruin your day that way? I just I don't know why you ruined your day. <laughs> Trust me, that was far from it. <laughs> so before we officially wrap up the show, Jillian, you've got a, a video coming out at the end of the week. Yes, I do. Uh, every Friday is when my videos drop on YouTube and Facebook. And um, if you haven't seen them, they are Drunk Hockey, which is literally me just uh, having enjoy, enjoying some adult beverages and partaking in some hockey banter. So it's you know all about making sports fun and not taking things too serious in the all-too-serious sports media world. Which is quite entertaining. If you haven't watched it yet, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> does, does Mushu make an appearance in this one? Because that will definitely have me tuning in. Uh, so there's no Mushu in this one, but there is, like I said, Bob Ross, uh, Phil Kessel, lots of Halloween costumes. Uh, the theme of this one is like I'm literally just arbitrarily ranking Halloween costumes. Uh, from hockey players, so uh, it gets to pretty pretty intense. So <laughs> I have some strong opinions on costumes. I, oh I, I think I know where this is going. All right, all right. Final final thing before we wrap up is um, 
Pete Blackburn, who's bounced around. I think he works for Fox Sports He's now. He's at CBS Sports, I believe. CBS now? now? Okay. Yes. Yeah, he, he had the uh, the tweet of the night where uh, Connor. Oh, that was so good. Yes, Mr. McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers was dressed up as Donald Trump. And he's yes. like, uh, I don't think this is the offensive right winger that the that Edmonton were Oilers for. were looking for. Yeah, I actually didn't even comment on that one. I figured it wasn't even worth it. There's enough strong opinions on that. Uh, what, whatever your I, opinion looking... is, that was a very, very well-crafted joke. Very, very well-crafted. Yeah, he did that. that deserved all the likes and retweets that it got. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up before my laptop crashes for the ninth time, I believe, during the show. So uh, please check us out on StadiumScene.com, StadiumScene.tv. Subscribe to our podcast. We've actually got some new partners who have come in and joined us, and we're featuring their shows on StadiumScene.tv from football and soccer and tailgating, all kinds of good stuff coming up. So, uh, again, Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest and stadium underscore scene on Instagram because we still haven't been able to get the stadium scene handle. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's Stadium Scene podcast. Visit us at StadiumScene.com and StadiumScene.tv. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play Store.